0: Welcome to the Classic City Sports Podcast. And McAllister down the left field line. Connor Tate is going to round third. He will score. And rounding third is play He will score. And the Dogs rock it off. If you're looking for the latest Georgia Bulldog news in football, basketball, baseball, and recruiting, then you are in the right place. Then you are in, in the, the, the right, right place. place. third down. Bryce Young's career, You need 10, play clock at 4. From the pocket, launching downfield, underthrown and intercepted. Keely Ringo has an escort down the sidelines. All the way to the end zone, and Georgia is going to conquer the Crimson Tide. Hosted by Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams. Georgia on the mountaintop. Demons be gone and the drought is over. National champions at long last. Just sit back, relax, and prepare yourself for these hot takes you're about to listen to.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Classic City Sports Podcast. As always, Jeremiah Stoddard and Jonathan Williams, another action-packed episode for you today. As you can see, there's a lot more uh, recruiting news going on around the country in general and with Georgia, uh, with Riola making the move to Georgia as well. Uh, So we're going to get into that all for you today. And then some comments about ESPN making some statements about Georgia overall uh, as well. So lots of stuff to cover. Jonathan, how uh, are we feeling today?
2: I'm feeling good. And I know you're not going to bring it up yourself. So I'm going to do it. It is Jeremiah's birthday to all of our listeners. So while you're sitting on your couch, while you're sitting there watching on your phone, or if you're in the car listening to us, go ahead and wish Jeremiah a happy birthday because I know he's not going to bring it up to himself, but he deserves all the love. And we just, I certainly appreciate him as a friend and for being my co-host for so long. So had to get that out of the way, had to make sure I do that. Give my boy a shout out on our own show, but appreciate it. Yeah. A lot of good stuff to talk about. You know, we didn't get to talk last week. Um, because I was out of town, you were out of town, so a lot of stuff going on there. But super excited about this week, super excited what we have going on right now So and what the topics that we have, especially this recruiting one and the one we have about ESPN. I think those are going to be some really fun topics for us to discuss, so looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, so let's just not hesitate. Let's get straight into it. Uh, let's go ahead and start You know, with the title real quick, because that's what people are probably clicking on this video if they've seen it. Uh, Dylan Riola is making the move to Georgia. Um, so he's going to play his senior season at Buford High School uh, to wrap it up. First thing I'll say about that before I kick it to you is it obviously shows you that he is 100% committed to Georgia, and you don't have to worry about that wavering because his family is moving to Georgia, so he's down the road from UGA. He's going to be here for the senior season, all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think that's the biggest takeaway for me originally, like initially on it. And I don't know how you feel, but that's, that was my thought as soon as I saw like weeks ago that he was planning to move to Georgia.
2: Yeah, definitely that one. Because I mean, heck, if your family is going to move basically, or not even basically move across the country, buy a house and and then enroll you into a high school that's pretty much right down the road from the University of Georgia, then, yeah, it's all signs point to, yeah, I'm locked into Athens. I want to be a Bulldog. That's where I'm going to go. And I want to be as close as possible while also playing an extremely high level of high school football to finish out my career. But another big thing, too, that I'm sure Georgia fans are really excited about is the amount of potential Georgia recruits and commits that are playing at Buford. You know, Jaden Perlott's one. He's in the 2025 class. K.J. Bolden is the big one. You know, he was the number one player in the state of Georgia until Riola decided to make the move to Georgia. Now he's the number one player in the state of Georgia, and K.J. Bolden is second. But that's one that Georgia fans are really wanting, the safety. And so maybe now that Ryle is on the team with him, he can kind of help continue to recruit him, make sure he comes down to Athens. Edgar Houston is another one that's looking like an Ohio state lean right now, but you know, you never, you never know what could happen when Riola gets onto campus. And especially if KJ Bolden also commits to Georgia, what could happen there with Edric Houston. But I also think they have like five players in the top 30 for the state of Georgia in 2025 on Buford this year. So there's a lot of potential recruits. There's a lot of high level prospects on that football team. And that's a great thing for Riola to to be around in his final year, because it's going to be high level competition, you know, Buford plays in the highest level of region in the state of Georgia. So good competition for him, a lot better than the talent he was probably facing against out there at Pinnacle or whatever high school he was at over the last three years in the state of Arizona. So big time move for him. It's really going to be a great opportunity, especially for us, too, because we'll probably get to go see him live in some of those games as well. So super exciting news there for a lot of reasons.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, I think we're already planning with a couple of us to make sure we get to go see him play uh, at least one game this year. So we're definitely tuning into all that. Um, one big thing to me that goes with what you just said about going to Buford, where all those top recruits are, all that kind of stuff out of Georgia. I've, I've heard a lot of Georgia fans and other people say Buford must really like not like Georgia because a lot of those players decide to go somewhere else and it's just down the road. And so, so you get that vibe sometimes. Or And I'd I, don't think they dislike Georgia necessarily, but I think there has been a trend where you don't necessarily get a lot of the top talent that go to that school. And like you said, now he gets to help recruit. They get to, you know, if, if you're a wide receiver and he's throwing to you and all he's got to say is, man, if you come to Georgia, I'll, I'll continue to throw to you. You know, like yeah, you can if you like what I'm doing, that's where I'm going to be just down the road here. And, and hopefully he can get a couple more commits that way. Um, off of it. And like you just said from, he came from pinnacle, but he was only at pinnacle for like two months. I can't remember exactly where he was before that, but he has transferred a couple of times. And I know a lot of, uh, social media, uh, fans or fans from other schools have been saying stuff on social media about it. It was like, how many high schools is he going to play at all that kind of stuff. And I will say this, I have learned that in this, this day and age where there is the NIL stuff and the transfer portal and everything that it is, I understand why some people might be slightly concerned about that overall. However, like I said, when I started this section, uh, the subject for us tonight was he is coming to Georgia because he's going to play his college ball here. That's why he wanted to come to Georgia. It's not that he's just running around going to all these different schools like that. He's doing this because he wanted to finish his career close to the school he's going to be playing at. I think if he had gone to another school, he probably would have done the same thing. So he can go in that, you know, that area and be there, um, but I, so I don't I don't get that same type of concern from him that I've gotten from others that have gone to like three or four different high schools, um, all that kind of stuff in their career. Because those I understand a little bit of hesitation with those with with guys that do that. But I, I don't think that's a problem with Dylan Riolà.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one reason why there would be concern is because Georgia has signed two players previous to Riolà that have been to four different high schools in four years. And that was Jermaine Burton and Barry Alexander. What do those two players have in common? They no longer play at the University of Georgia. So that can kind of indicate that there's a theme in these players. Like when you see them play at so many different high schools and they get to college and then they hit the transfer portal. Like The writing is kind of on the wall, but I agree with you. With Raiola, I think it's a little different because also, there's also been this discussion that a lot of those moves had to, where due to family reasons like dad getting a new job, sister playing college volleyball somewhere, or whatever sports she plays at college at TCU, whatever. A lot of the, it sounds like a lot, it also, uh, the family influenced those moves. Right. It wasn't just that Ryala wanted to move to different high schools because he wasn't happy at those. It had a lot to do with a lot of outside reasons outside of the sport of football. So if that is true, then you can just kind of wash all of that and be like, okay, that's no longer a concern if that was the case. But also to your point as well, um, yeah. He seems like he loves Georgia. He picked Georgia for a reason. And also something to take note of is you don't come to the University of Georgia because Georgia's offer you $5 million. That's not the right. business that Georgia is in. They don't have the funds to do that. They don't have the means to do that. You come to Georgia because Georgia gives you an opportunity And they kind of lay out the land for you saying like, this is what we want you to do over the next three to four years. And we will get you to that next step, whether that be the NFL or wherever you want to go. We will get you there. But here's the plan. This is what you have to do. And if you stick to this, you're going to be successful. Whereas other schools, like one we might talk about here in a little bit, that may not be the case. It may kind of be like, hey, here's our plan for you. We have some immediate playing time for you as well, but also check the corner over there on your way out and pick that up. And then we'll see you another time like that type of deal, you know? Yeah. So another interesting thing is that Ryla didn't choose Georgia because of NIL or anything like that. He chose Georgia because Georgia seemingly was the best fit for him in his eyes. So that says a lot about Georgia and also about Ryola as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. And speaking of the family ties playing decisions, I think that's a huge thing as well, because, I mean, going back to thinking about like his relationship with Matthew Stafford and all of that kind of stuff um, and, and their their relationship with Bobo, uh, all, the, all of that stuff kind of played in. And I think that's what led to him making the decision to come to Georgia. It was the best fit for him. Uh, me personally, as a Georgia fan, I am very comfortable with the fact that he's transferred around a little bit because of the the circumstances, and him coming to Georgia once again just tells me how committed he and his family are to him playing at the University of Georgia. It gives me no concern at all. Like I said earlier, there are some players I've seen that have transferred around a lot that then came to Georgia, and you know, obviously, didn't make it past a year, maybe two max. Um, and because Georgia, let me tell you this: even Dylan Rayola coming into Georgia, I, I'm. Georgia fans need to be prepared for the fact that he's probably sitting his freshman year because Georgia still has some other guys on the roster that have been here for a while and will be here next year when he comes on campus. So he's got to be able to be comfortable with that. And at this point, I feel like, especially at the quarterback position, Kirby Smart's done a very, very good job over the past three, four years at keeping those guys and keeping them happy. And so I feel like when he recruits a guy like Dylan Raiola, he's setting the stage for like, hey, this you, you've seen how it's played out over the past couple of years with some of the young guys that have been waiting their turn. Carson Beck is going to take over this year and I think that's going to be um, I think I've said this on here before that's going to be one of the best recruiting pitches for Georgia in moving forward at that position because watch Carson Beck come out here and throw for you know a similar stat line to, to what uh, Stetson Bennett just did last year and that's going to speak for itself and say hey he sat for three years and then he got his chance and look what he did. And he's probably a one and done type player because, you know, if you perform like that and you're built like he is, it's not going to be like Stetson Bennett throwing for that and then still having the height thing that uh, that the NFL doesn't necessarily love. He's going to be built for the NFL as well as throw for the same type of yardage and and go off this year. So that's going to recruit for Georgia moving forward at that position. And I'm excited to see how it all plays out. I can't be happier about Dylan Raiola coming to Georgia in general. Uh, and, and he's also, once again, in his same recruiting class, going to still have some competition because Ryan Puglisi was just at the, uh, elite 11 finals in LA as well. So it's not like he's, you know, a scrub coming up with him as no, he wasn't the number one recruit in the nation, but he's a, he's a gamer and he's going to come out there and make it a very tough thing for Raiola to get on the field as well. And I think he's going into it, understanding that. And so is Puglisi, I think it's going to be a good competition there.
2: Yeah, and I think another thing worth noting about specifically the quarterback position of why you would maybe want to stay at Georgia is look at the past two years of Georgia's offensive line. That's arguably the past two years. They haven't been recognized as it by the by the award. They were not given the best offensive line award twice. They got robbed. They gave it to Michigan both years, and then we saw how that played out in the playoffs look like Georgia was a better offensive line. But that's a comforting thing to know if your quarterback is like, hey, not only are they invested in me, but they also invested and paid off the insurance as well to make sure that my life isn't on the line every Saturday and that I'm protected up front. I'm not going to get dinged up that much on Saturdays. And my health and safety is taken care of as well. So that also might be something worth noting as well. If you are quarterback at the University of Georgia and you maybe are considering hitting the portal, it's like, well, I could go here, but I also know that when I do get my time, or when I do get my opportunity here, I'm not going to be having to pulling out turf out of my face mask every single play or every other down or yeah. whatever. So there's a lot of value in that as well. But. Speaking of recruiting, we're going to go ahead and jump into another SEC school that one SEC school specifically, you know, we kind of told you that we're going to be given kind of an update of SEC recruiting in general, but there's really only one team in the SEC to really talk about in regards to recruiting. What's going on recently specifically in the month of June and it's the Florida Gators nine commits in the month of June. That is ridiculous, especially because the month of June isn't even over yet. We still got two weeks left in the month. (laughs) Yeah. So the fact that they have nine commits, and as quickly as it happened, it felt like it happened almost entirely over one single weekend. You know, So a lot of buzz going on there, like, oh, my gosh, Billy Napier has got this program back on its feet. He's got the ball rolling for them. But then there's also the other side of the crowd, the outsiders of the Florida football pro- program and the Florida phantom saying, like, What the heck is going on? Why is Florida all of a sudden getting all of these recruits? They really weren't that good last year with a top end quarterback who just went first round in the NFL draft. This year, it's even looking, it's it's probably going to be another step back for them considering their quarterback situation this year and the guys that they have around them. What is going on with Florida and why is that happening? And I think even Florida fans themselves are kind of asking these questions because I had a Florida fan that texted me and was like, what is your take on this? Like, what is your take on Florida's recruiting right now and what is happening? And I just was kind of like, well, you know, going into the season, I think Florida kind of knows that they're not going to be competing for a division title this year. They're not going to be competing for a spot in Atlanta. So what's a good way to distract people from that and make people not look at the bad and look at the good, especially if you're Billy Napier, go fire off a bunch of commits and be like man look at the future that we have right now things are going to improve don't look don't pay attention to what's going on in 2023 or what's about to happen in 2023 we want you to continuing to look forward because that's what a new head coach would want you to do like get excited about the future saying like i'm doing this so that way i can stick around longer i can be at the university of florida still and I have the fans behind me, even though I'm about to go five and seven or whatever they're about to go this year, you know? So I kind of think that's what it is, is they're just kind of building some momentum, trying to make themselves look real pretty before everything comes crashing and burning in 2023. But then when 2024 comes around, they're right back up on their feet and nobody's talking about it anyways.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And first, before I jump into my part, happy birthday to the Pope as well. It's also his birthday. He was in the comments a a second ago. He said he's going to watch back later. So when you're watching this, happy birthday, brother. Appreciate everything that you do for us on the show as well. Um, But yeah, when you're talking about uh, Florida and uh, we get this every every year, I feel like there's always a team. It's not always an SEC team, but uh, sometimes it is. We always get that team that we're in the middle of May. We're in the middle of June and they start like celebrating their recruiting titles. Um, and unless you're one that's shown that you can maintain that throughout the whole course of recruiting, like your, your Bama's your Ohio States, your Georgia's and stuff like that. What your recruiting ranking currently is in June. Doesn't mean that you're going to still be sitting there come December on, on signing day, early signing day, because it, it, it kind of gets away from you a little bit. And so people, there's plenty of time for people to be kind of, uh, you know, flipped from your roster, all that kind of stuff as well. And I think that's what you're going to see with Florida when it's all played out. I think they were sitting at like number three, uh, somewhere up there. It was pretty high. Or number two right? right
2: now, I think. Are they? They went mm-hmm. up to They're 2 right behind
1: Georgia. So they've, they've gone up a little bit more on that as well. And, and shouts to them on it because like they are recruiting really well right now and they are getting some really big names in their recruiting class right now. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's, it's way too early to be celebrating the recruiting ranking because that can change on you overnight. Georgia's got a lot of, of momentum that they're going to probably be building here later in July. I know there's a, a time period in July that you're probably going to see some stuff pop for them. Um, and, and that's when you'll see some more, more momentum going back the other way. You'll see some people probably come off that Florida commit list at some point, not necessarily saying to Georgia, but to other schools. There are plenty of schools that recruit the state of Florida because they do have a lot of talent down there as well. Um, so Florida fans that are are bragging about their current setting, all I say, all I say is just, just talk to me in December. And if you're still sitting in the top three, top five, even then I'll give you your flowers because I, I will be impressed with Billy Napier at that point, because that's one thing that everybody talked about him, where he came from before with, with the raging Cajuns was, He was recruiting well there. He was doing it there, but he was also getting a lot of transfer students there and doing it that way. Um, It's a little bit harder when you're actually in the SEC and you're at Florida and you have to do it at a different level. So it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. I'm not saying they won't have a decent recruiting class when it's all said and done, but then they might not be in the top 10 as well. There's a chance it could go the other way. We we see teams do this all the time at this time of year where they're they're just holding up the trophy for having it already. And it just... Sometimes it starts to get away from you when National Signing Day is right around the corner.
2: Well, and if Florida does finish top five or even top three in this recruiting class, it don't mean a hill of beans of what's going down in Gainesville or anything oh yeah, for the neighbor year, of that matter. At all. Heck, Texas A&M just got done signing the... Best class in recruiting history. In college football history, Texas A&M the most talented recruiting class in history to date. It was loaded down according to all of the recruiting sites and everything. Five-star, five-star, five-star. All these high ratings. Best class in the world. Well, what happened the following season? You lose Oof. a game to App State. You crap the bed. You finish in the bottom of the SEC West. Not even sniffing any con- contention in any type of division title or even a bowl game for that matter. So it don't mean nothing if you finish top three. It's all gonna depend on all right, you got all these cats now. You got all these, you got DJ Lagway and you got a good supporting cast around him. What are you gonna do with it? Are you are you actually going to produce with it? Because it doesn't mean that any like getting these high school kids is great, don't get me wrong. And it's a crucial step to building a successful program and especially a sustainable program as well. That's what has made Georgia and the University and Kirby Smart so well is that not only do they recruit really well, but they sustain that success and they continue and they build off of it every single year. So this is good for Florida that you're doing it now. This is showing early signs that Billy Napier can get it done on the recruiting trail if he can hold on to it, if he can close because you have to be able to do that Kirby Smart closes really well Nick Saban closes really well Kim Billy Napier closed really well in the SEC we're about to find out this year so that's the big thing is it even if you do get all these guys even if every single commit right now sticks to their verbal commitment and they sign on the dotted line come December or in February what are you going to do with them because 2024 that season DJ Lagway is probably a starting quarterback That's a tough schedule. People are already saying it's the toughest schedule ever that any program has ever had to go through. I mean, they have to play FSU, UCF, Miami, along with a lot of other SEC programs. A really tough schedule. So how is that going to look? It might get a little, you know, it might get a little frustrating there in 2024. So you really got to keep the ball rolling. But That's why I'm interested to see is Billy Napier has checked off step one so far of getting a program back up on its feet. But what about all the other ones that are left on the list? Still a lot of question marks there for the for the Gators down south. And I'm glad you
1: brought up the Texas A and M thing with the the best recruiting class ever. Because also after that happened and they had such a bad season, how many of those players actually hit the transfer portal? That's the Smoke thing.
2: Bowie was one of them. A lot. A of lot them. of them. I mean, they had a. There heck was there a- was
1: five to ten of those guys are gone. From that yeah. same class because they just they dipped because they didn't like when they were getting their butts handed to them and they may not have gotten the playing time or the supporting cast around them that they wanted and they dipped. So say you get that type of recruiting class from Florida, you've got to make sure that they stay here after a year even like you you in this day and age of college football. If they're decent on your roster and they think they're not getting what they need where they're at they're going to look somewhere else and see what they can get and see if they can get on the field somewhere or see if they can go somewhere that's going to win because you and I have talked about this a lot with Billy Napier. It's going to take them a couple years to build that program back up because, man, Dan Mullen left that thing in absolute shambles, and it's going to take somebody a good four to five years to actually be really competitive again. And I think that uh, Florida fans aren't mo- the most patient uh, fan base out there. Uh, I think that he may not get as much time as he actually needs. And then also... You got to make sure that those guys are happy when they get there as well, to make sure that you can keep them on the roster. And like you said a second ago, too, you got to be able to close, right? You got to make sure all these guys sign the dotted line because that's what always hurts these teams that take this big of a jump early in the recruiting cycle. Is guess what? Now your Georgia, your Ohio State, your your Bama's, uh, even your Clemson's, um, they they'll come out here and say, "All right, I like that player too," but guess what? I have four or five months to try to pull them from you. I, I don't have, like I, I have time to work that angle as long as I can keep an open line of communication with them. I can still get them to come over and, and sign with me. And a lot of teams like those Bama's and stuff out there and Georgia's make those late pushes for big name players and that's what makes your recruiting cycle as good as it can be is who you sign like and get committed to you in December. Those, those names that weren't committed to you that you now get to sign that dotted line. That's what makes your class actually hold where you're at because otherwise those other teams start to jump you in the rankings because those other teams start getting those big names late in the cycle and you don't.
2: Yeah. And I think Ridge brings up a great point right here. He brings up Chauncey Bowens flipping from Florida to Georgia recently as well on a visit while yeah. he was in Athens, a video surfaced to him telling everybody that was on campus that weekend, all the coaches, he's like, I'm going to be a dog committing then and then officially announcing his flip a few days later. So that's another great point is, you know, what's going to happen when these kids start going, if they continue to go to their other schools, if they go, what even if it's not Georgia, you know, even if it's like Tennessee, South Carolina, Alabama, whoever else, Miami, even if it's just other schools, again, can you close, can you keep those guys with you? And can you really get them to buy in of what you're preaching down in Florida? I know players really like Billy Napier. I, I think he is a likable guy. I was fairly impressed with him last yep. year. It was kind of refreshing to watch like Florida press conferences after games or before the games. and actually like what the guy's saying and, and now listen to Dan mullen ramble on up up there and just provide he's a bunch not of
1: coming to a press conference wearing a Darth Vader mask after no, he just yeah. got his Billy whole team just got the brawl on the field yeah. during the game
2: Billy Napier ain't playing no games up in press conferences he's very professional I think he's well spoken I think that shows on the football field with his players so that's all good things right there so it's just you know it's it's a little too early to tell just to, like I in other words, I'm not going ahead and jumping on the Billy Napier hype train just yet. I may be standing in line with my passing hand saying, like, I'm thinking about getting on. I'm kind of contemplating getting on this bus or this train, but I'm not completely bought in yet. I don't know if I want to go all the way across the country and really settle in on you and get – get committed onto this thing. So that's kind of where I'm at with this. Like, again, it's just June. There's a few more months. There's a whole season to be played, a whole college football season to be played before all of these kids are officially locked in with their colleges. So time will tell with Florida and it'll be interesting to watch. And I'm the type of person too
1: that I, I'm not the one that's going out there and saying, I want them to lose all 12 games of the season because I actually prefer, I prefer when our opponents are decent because it feels better when you get those wins, right? I want to be like the team that gets to, ruin their season. I want them to be having a good year. I remember, you know, you got to think back to the early 2010s. Sutter wants the disrespect. Oh yeah, absolutely want the disrespect. The early 2010s (laughs) or mid-2010s even where it came down to, you know, Georgia and Florida, who's going to win the East, right? Those games were fun. Think about last year, Georgia and Tennessee. It pretty much was deciding who was going to win the East this year. That's fun. Like that's, that's enjoyable. And if we can get a couple of teams to be competitive to where you actually have competition in your conference, like your, your Tennessee, your South Carolina and your Florida, if all three of those teams want to be decent, I'm okay with that because I still believe that Georgia will go in and take care of business, but I would like to see some good games. I want to see Georgia take that hope away from them. It's petty, but it's fun. Like that's college football. That's what makes it fun. And if you know, like this year going down to Jacksonville, Georgia's winning that by four scores. Like we know that like we do. Like it's funny, but we know that. They they're going to have a tough time making a bowl game again this year. And that's not because Billy Napier's not doing a decent job down there. It's because they still he, it's going to take time. Like I said earlier, it's going to take them a few more years to get to where they're competitive. And so we don't expect to have a good game down there this year. Uh, I, I who was it? Was it you were having them at like the bottom of the East, right? Like you had them like yeah. right in front of when we were talking. You had them like finishing just in front of Vanderbilt this year. If Vanderbilt so, like, didn't exist;
2: they'd be last. But yeah. I, I'm loving the backhanded compliment. How you you started that out by saying I actually kind of want Florida to be a little successful. But by the way you're getting dragged down to the ground yeah. down in Jacksonville this year. Like it's going to be dead bodies down there. You're getting beat by four scores. It ain't going to be a competition. We're going to be asleep by halftime. Game's going to be over. Like we ain't sweating that one, but I still kind of want you to be successful. So. That's funny stuff right there. I enjoy it. But yeah, you don't want the Florida, you don't want this great rivalry to turn into how Georgia, Georgia tech has where Georgia yeah. fans are kind of like, just get him off the schedule at this point. Like even georgia looks, Auburn
1: at this point. It's it's not a game anymore. We'll see what Hugh Freeze has to say about that. But it's but you,
2: once again, it's gonna take him some time too. It's not like no, an no over doubt. the night kind of thing. No doubt. But you don't like you want Georgia and Florida to always remain competitive because like it's there's right. always so much build up to that game and you want that to remain intact and make the season fun, especially when this thing goes to 12 um, playoff teams. You want something to still remain exciting about the regular season. Right. And with it looking like Georgia is going to be locked in with Florida for the foreseeable future, regardless of what the SEC schedule does in the near future, like that's something you want to be able to look forward to every year. And you want that game to always have a lot of buildup and a lot of expectations and a lot of anticipation for that. Definitely don't want it being like, just get them out the schedule at this point. Like nobody cares about this game. Everybody knows what's going to happen. So yeah, I definitely agree with you there. And I think Georgia fans and Florida fans would agree with that as well. Like that game is better when both teams are ranked, both teams are right there at the top of the East and it's a fight to see who's going to Atlanta by December. So g- great point made. And But then again, also, Georgia fans are also, on the contrary, like, we don't care as long as we win every single game and as long as we're the ones playing Atlanta, that's all that matters because that's how we win national championships, and that's how they've done it the last two years. And some would say it's the start of arguably the maybe the making of the greatest dynasty ever in college football history. You went back-to-back, great shot to win three in a row. would be the first time since Minnesota did in the 1940s, so really the first time ever in college football history. It's a strong dynasty in the making that Kirby Smart has established in Athens by most, but by not by everybody, apparently, because ESPN decided to release this article – and they did it based on the SP plus rankings. I mean, the way that they explained it in the article is they ranked the best teams of the 2020s. So just this decade from 2020 COVID year to now. So the two Georgia national championships and then the Alabama national championship in 2020. That's it. That's the only information we have of the 2020s. And they based it on points allowed, points, uh, points scored, and then I think basically your record over the last three years. And you would think that the back-to-back champions, the only team right now with multiple championships in the 2020s, would be at the top of that list. No. Alabama's number one. Well, surely Georgia's number two, right, Stoddard? They'd be number two on that list, right? No. You you would think. Ohio State is number two on the list. And then Georgia falls in at three, but that's not even the most interesting part, or that's not even the thing that I found most interesting about this article. Right underneath the rankings where they had Alabama, Ohio State, and then Georgia, they also ranked the best teams of this decade so far, and then along with the best offenses and best defenses. Georgia had two of the top three teams in this decade. Alabama was number one in 2020, and then it went Georgia 2021, Georgia 2022. And so you're like, how does how does a team that has two of the best teams in this decade fall at third on your list? And then they also had the two best defenses of this decade. Like it none of it adds up. And I was I'm and especially the fact that Ohio State is above Georgia when one they don't have a national championship at all. Georgia just beat right. them this last year in the Peach Bowl. So what has Ohio State done a better job of in the 2020s that Georgia has? If you're just solely putting it on the 2020 year The 2020 season, if that's what we're doing, well, that's a load of crap, if you ask me. Because Georgia has, without a doubt, redeemed themselves after not making it into the SEC Championship game in 2020, kind of having a disappointing season by winning two national titles. So ESPN, I don't know what we're doing over there. I don't know the logic behind this. I don't care what your numbers say. I don't care what your metrics say, your SP plus whatever bull crap. I don't care what you say. Poll anybody in America right now and ask them who the best team in the 2020s has been. 99.9% of people are probably going to say Georgia and the 0.1% are going to be salty Bama fans and salty Florida fans or whoever else, you know, that's it. And some Ohio state fans still complaining about a targeting call that happened almost six months ago. That's it. That's all. Well, and then uh,
1: Georgia's what? 29 and one in the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, 29 and one in the last two seasons of the three year 2020s, right? Like, and the year before that we lost what two games i think it was uh two or three i can't remember either way point b Alabama
2: lost to Florida they've lost
1: like three games in in the entire the entire 2020s right now or whatever it was where well, 2020 we lost a couple games because that was a um COVID year and all that kind of stuff going on but still Point being, they've only lost a few games overall in the past two seasons. They've only lost one. Back to back national champions. It just screams that like Kirby sent a message to somebody at ESPN and was like, "Hey, seven and five, seven and put five. us at
2: three, so I can <laughs> slap this on the whiteboard in the locker room right before seven we and get five. ready for fall camp and for these summer workouts. Yeah, and and then sneak in at the bottom of this article, <laughs> FYI, Georgia's going seven and five in twenty twenty three, and then he yeah. can just slap it on the whiteboard and say you see what they're saying about us? Two national championships. They still ain't giving us credit. <laughs> well,
1: you've got that article and you even have Kirk Street who came out and was talking about Georgia not being the better team too. Like this is this is something that's been consistent with ESPN over the past like month or two or whatever it was when he said that as well. And that one was like, It just makes no sense, man. When you see what Georgia's built and you see what they have, like the defense, Georgia has proven that the defense, no matter who leaves at this point, they are going to be good, right? At least going to be a top 10 defense. Like you're not going to fall to a top 50 defense or something like that just because a few guys left because you know that you are going to still be up there. Then you look at the offense, right? And you look at the fact that you've got most of your offense back. You're like you mentioned earlier, Georgia's offensive line (coughs) is going to be insane this year again. And so maybe they'll get the recognition they deserve this year. But it's going to be the best offensive line you've seen in Georgia in a while. And then you have all your weapons for your quarterback to throw to. And yes, it's a first-year starter, but it's someone that's been on the team for three years learning that system. And who has ungodly talent still. like It's not like he was untalented. It was just that he wasn't quite ready to start when his number was going to be called. And, and that's why Stetson ended up being able to take over. And Stetson ended up being a baller. So it worked out for everybody. Now he's going to take over and do the same kind of stuff that Stetson did last year, but be built better for the NFL and everything like that. All of that offense and all of that defense that's coming back this year, how can you think they're not going to be good? I don't understand that at all.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the consistency with the defense and the offense because now I get to plug my stat that I tweeted earlier today. And it's that Georgia is the first team since Clemson in 2018 and 2019 to go back-to-back years with a top-10 offense and a top-five defense. And like you said, with the squad that they have coming in this year, it's looking really good. And they would be the first team and since 2003 to go 3 years straight with a top 10 offense and a top 5 defense. So again, hmm. only continuing the argument of how in the heck is Georgia third on this list for the all decades team or whatever. The question still begs, you know, we don't know. There I don't even think there's a clear answer. ESPN didn't even really give a clear answer as to why Georgia was third on that list. And I think if you're placing If you're placing Georgia third on that list, you best be putting in a paragraph of saying like, here. Here's our justification as to why Ohio State and Alabama are ahead of him, but they really didn't give you one, which is a little odd to me as well. Clickbait, yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. ESPN back on their clickbait bullcrap. Oh, man. But, yeah, I had to slide in my stat knowledge there for a little bit.
1: Hey, listen, if y'all aren't following this man on Twitter already, hold
2: on. Give me a second here. We got a little banner for it. Oh my gosh, was right yeah, there.
1: Got the banner. Got right the banner me. for it. Got to follow this guy on Twitter. The stat of the day is something that you got to wake up and drink your coffee to and and, and get some a really stat good stat of knowledge. the day
2: keeps the doctor away. That's By, it. Not well, me, doctor, kinda. but you know your actual <laughs> doctor. I, the doctor is always going to be showing up on the timeline every day. You ain't mm. going to keep me away, but your actual doctor those those tweets will be keeping the doctor away. From what you. those What those tweets show you is the fact that Georgia is
1: the the number one team in the twenty twenties or at worst case, if you're going to put them at number two, but you got to have them at least ahead of Ohio State. Those stats will consistently show you why that is understandable, like why that should be the understanding uh, uh, synopsis of the 2020s. But, you know, had to plug him for a minute. He'll definitely get you some over the offseason. If, if you're like me and you crave college football information as much as possible, even in the offseason, it's where you're going to get it right there. That's all I'm saying. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't even
2: got to plug my stuff. Stoddard's going to do it, it for me. That, that's a good co-host right there. I appreciate that. For sure. What else did we have to talk about today? I lost track. Uh, yeah, I think that was it. I was about to say, unless you got anything else, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode. I think we covered a lot still. I think we went through those topics a lot more quickly than we do. We usually go about 45 minutes. This week, you're getting like 36 minutes. So we appreciate all of you guys tuning in. Thank you to everybody that flooded the live chat, especially wishing Star a happy birthday. Always good to see appreciate that. Always y'all. wishing us good blessings and making us smile every single week. So we appreciate all of you that tune in live. And we appreciate all of you that listen to this after we have posted it, not um, after the live show. We appreciate every single one of you. Before you head out though, Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. As Stoddard said, hit us up on social media. Hit that follow button so you can stay up-to-date on shows and might even get some good information on the dogs that you so graciously love very much. Stoddard, you can close us out, brother. As always, you guys, keep it classy in the Classic
1: City. We will catch you next week.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Classic City Sports. Take a second to subscribe, rate, review, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to reach out to the Classic City Sports Crew on Twitter with any topics you'd like discussed. You can reach out to Jeremiah at the Stodfather, to Jonathan at Dr. Underscore J Will, and make sure to follow at Classic City Pod for show updates. Check back next week for a brand new episode. In the meantime...